0: Well guys, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We're continuing our series today, Big Reputation. And whether you know this or not, your reputation, my reputation, and our church's reputation is connected. So our reputation individually and our church's reputation collectively, they're connected. Because if, if you say, well, I attend that church, they're going to associate you with our church. They're going to associate me with our church. And so there's a lot at stake because Christians don't have a good reputation as it is right now. Like we talked about the Gallup poll last, last week. That many people do not have a good... They don't have a good perception of Christians. Because Christians have a tendency to tell people how to live their lives. But they're not willing to make the same changes themselves. We're willing to have opinions and we're willing to share opinions about everything. And we're wanting them to change. But yet we're not willing to change ourselves. I'm guilty as anyone else in here. But yet we are called to do something bigger and greater. Now this is how we've defined reputation. Reputation is a belief or opinion that others have about you, they have about me, that impacts two things. How much they trust us and how much they are willing to engage with us as a church. Now if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, here's what we want for you. We want you to see how serious we're taking this. We want you to know that we really are serious with getting this right. Now that we may not always get it right, but at least, at least for you that you know that we are doing everything we can to get it right. And so this whole series is kind of based on this principle that was given to us by King Solomon. And at the time that he wrote this, he was the world's wealthiest man. Now notice what he writes. Choose a good reputation over great riches. He's not saying that it's wrong to pursue great riches. He's saying, choose a good reputation over those things. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. He wants us to know that a good reputation has the greatest value. He looked on his life and he recognized that, man, all of that stuff that he had didn't compare to having a good reputation. Having a good reputation had the greatest value. And the most valuable thing that you and I have isn't what we own. Not what we will own. Really comes down to two things. And these are the things that people are going to talk about at your funeral. Who you were and what you were known for. They're not going to talk about how much money you had and how much money is left in the bank account. They're going to talk about you. They're going to talk about your reputation. Who you were and what you are known for. Like, think of reputation as a currency. uh, Reputation as a currency. Our reputation is a medium of of exchange that holds value professionally, relationally, with other people. I believe we know this to be true. A good reputation opens doors, a bad one closes them. We know that a good reputation creates opportunities when a bad one wrecks them. A good reputation increases your influence Or a bad one decreases it. And so last week we teased out Jesus' reputation. And there were three questions that I had when I was sort of going through what was Jesus' reputation like. Number one, what was Jesus' reputation back in the day? What was it that people whispered about him when they left one of his teachings? Like when they were walking home, what did they say to each other about him? And then what did the religious leaders say about him? You know, one of the greatest ironies in the New Testament is that Jesus' reputation was incredible. Incredible with those outside the faith community, and it was a wreck with those inside the faith community. And yet it's the opposite here, isn't it? In this day and age, sort of the outsiders don't have any, really, they don't have any good perspective about the church. You know why it was ironic? Jesus was a rabbi. Sometimes we often forget that, but Jesus was a rabbi. a rabbi was a respected figure in Jewish society. So being a rabbi is like being the top of the top. Not anybody could be a rabbi. To be a rabbi, you had to be the smartest one in school. One of the smartest ones in school. You had to memorize the Torah. You had to string together arguments along with logic and reasoning to defend the Torah. The first five books of the Old Testament. See, not anyone could be a rabbi, but Jesus was a rabbi. Rabbis had followers because to be a follower uh, of a rabbi, it was a great honor. Like, not everyone was asked to be a follower of a rabbi. When you were asked to be a follower of a rabbi, it was a big deal. Like, your parents would have said, oh my goodness, he, is, he made it. He made it. Like You're so proud of your son for being a follower of a rabbi. So a rabbi in the first century, it was the most respected highest esteemed position in that culture and that's who jesus was yet jesus was hated by his peers the other rabbis and eventually that hatred sped to their followers who eventually led to Jesus' sketchy trial and death so why was he hated so much and that's what we're going to dive into so jesus says in his own words that he had a reputation with the religious elite and this is what he said about himself. He said, the son of man, which was a title of the Messiah way back in the Old Testament. So people referred to the Messiah, God's last anointed forever king as the son of man. On the other hand, feast and drinks. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. So Jesus had a reputation of being a friend of the bad boys. He had a reputation of being a friend of those far from God. And the irony is, is they meant that to be a indictment on Jesus, but yet it reaffirmed everything he came to be. Because he said, my mission, the Father sent me to seek and save the lost. Man, this is is exactly what I'm doing. That's not an indictment on who I am. This is who I am. Religion back then was used to be a tool to let people know that they did not belong. And yet Jesus is letting no, 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 no. No, I am called to be a friend of sinners. And Jesus, who is both fully God and fully man, we don't know really how that all worked, but He took a special interest in those far from God. He saw the hurting, He saw the burned by religion, and He became a friend to them, even at the expense of His own reputation with his fellow colleagues. And guys, listen, if this is not our heart for our community, then we're missing it as his followers. Notice the story of, of how this really looks, looks like for Jesus. So he handles this exchange with the tax collector. Notice what happened. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. That's where we get this song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Yeah. We come up with the most interesting songs, don't we, as Christians? So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, let's, let's talk about Zacchaeus for a second. Tax collectors were hated, and I know that's a strong word, but he was hated. For several reasons. One, they collected taxes. We probably could stop there. <laughs> they worked for the Romans who oppressed the Jewish people. They, s- they were seen as betraying their own people. In fact, some were actually dishonored by their family, which meant they were disowned. That The family had one, nothing to do with them. You remember how uh, a parent would be super excited. Like, they would be proud of their son being asked to be a follower a rabbi. Look, look. Not for a tax collector. Like, you would get to a point, like, I don't know who they are. That profession was so, so hated. So Zacchaeus was really hated because not only was he a tax collector, but he was a chief, which meant that he had other people working under him. So it was like a first century pyramid scheme. Zacchaeus lived with this bad reputation, and until this point, he didn't feel like he needed to apologize for it. And then due to his height restrictions, he climbs a roadside tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. Now, we don't know why he did it. We don't know what motivated him to do that. Maybe it, was, maybe it was that he knew who Matthew was. And he wanted to know the guy who took Matthew from this rich, wealthy profession. Gave it all to follow Jesus. He wanted to know who this man was. Maybe. Maybe. We don't know. We don't know what motivated him to want to see Jesus. So something unexpected happens. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him my name, Zacchaeus. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. This is what they said. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Why were they displeased? They were displeased because they had an expectation of who the Messiah was going to be. They had an expectation of even if they even if it wasn't that they believed that Jesus was the Messiah or not. They, at the minimum, they believed that a rabbi would not do those things because they hadn't seen a rabbi do those things. And they're like this. This doesn't make sense. And they were. They were upset. They were not pleased with how Jesus was handling himself as a rabbi, let alone the Messiah. And guys, listen, there is a difference between looking at someone and seeing someone. It's just like the difference between hearing someone and listening to someone. To see someone is to intentionally engage with them. To see someone is to initiate a relationship with them. To see someone is to care for them. To see someone is to love. And a wealthy little man in a roadside tree isn't something you see every day. It's like a slow softball pitch to Jesus' mission, man. The opportunity is right here. This is why he came. And remember, Jesus is God. And he saw Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus climbed that tree. He knows how much money Zacchaeus stole. He knew all his attentions. He knew his sins. Yet he chose to see Zacchaeus and invited himself over to his home. Because sharing a meal in the first century was to share a life. You spent time in their home. You spent time eating with them. You spent talk, talking and listening to them. And attention the, the reason why they were displeased is because someone like Jesus, a rabbi, was not to eat with people like that. Remember, religion showed people who belonged and who didn't belong. Now, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, and probably with this understanding that Jesus was different, he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated anyone on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Before Zacchaeus offered to give anything back, Jesus pursued him. Before we had any inkling that Zacchaeus was going to change anything about his behavior, change his way, change his direction, Jesus saw him. Before he gave anything back to what he stole, Jesus sought him out. And Before anything, any change happened in his life, Jesus invited him to something different. See, Jesus, with that invitation, said to Zacchaeus, Listen, you can belong to me before you believe in me. You can can belong to me before you believe in me. Jesus was not interested in using religion to tell people whether they belonged or not. The truth is that none of us belong. But yet Jesus' invitation shows that anyone can belong to him. Jesus responded, salvation has come to his home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of abraham for the son of man titled himself the messiah came to seek and save those who are lost he tells everyone in the house <laughs> zacchaeus man he's changed and i'm the reason for his change Zacchaeus went public in his renewed relationship with God, and Jesus leaves everyone with that mission. I've come to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus was lost, now he's been found. And this is an invitation from Jesus, for you and for me, to build this space, this place, this facility, so that we are the kind of people that can say anyone on the outside who find themselves far from God, regardless of what they believe, what they don't believe, what they've done, what they haven't done, their past, their present, their sin, their story, to say, listen, this is a place you can belong. And it's never going to be true in this place if we don't collectively make it true in here. Because sometimes we forget that Jesus sees us. Jesus sees you. He sees you. He sees you. He sees all of you. He sees your story. He sees your struggle. He sees your sin. He sees your shame. He sees all of it. And to those who are followers of Jesus, man, the irony in this whole story is that the religious people thought they were good and fine and they didn't need Jesus. And they were the most lost people in the story. See, what the pharisees and the religious leaders and the other rabbis failed to understand is they too had a need for jesus they failed to understand they were never going to be good enough to earn god's favor his blessing his salvation on their own they failed to understand that they too were sinners just like the tax collectors that jesus befriended and they thought that they were good enough without him And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, man, listen, you cannot, we cannot go another day forgetting our desperate need for Jesus. Guys, we all need Jesus. The kingdom of God and how the church is supposed to operate, that there is no hierarchy. Listen, you're not better than anybody else. I'm not better than anybody else. It's not, I'm better than you, you're better than me. That place has nothing, that has no place in God's kingdom. That has no place in this church. To those who are yet followers of Jesus, man, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I want you to know, please, please hear this. Please don't investigate us. We're going to get it wrong. Guys, we're going to mess up, including a professional Christian like me. Man, I'm going to mess up. But you know who's going to change you? It's Jesus. Man, I don't have the ability to change you. Jesus does. Jesus has the ability to change you. And so my invitation to you is pursue him. Like We have starting point, And starting point is a great environment to learn about this good news. That Jesus came to make you alive. To bring you from spiritual death to spiritual life. And I encourage you, if you haven't already, to do starting point. See, Jesus isn't afraid of your struggles. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of your shame. Jesus is ready to run towards it, just like he did Zacchaeus. Maybe you haven't had him on your radar, but man, he is still pursuing you. And Jesus made a way for you to belong in God's family. There isn't anything special about anybody in this room or online, because Jesus made a way for all of us. He made a way for you, and he made a way for me. See, the truth is, man, none of us belong. Jesus made a way so that everyone could belong. If we understand our desperate need for Jesus, we're confident that Jesus sees us, He forgives us, He extends grace to us, then our response is simple see as Jesus sees. To see as Jesus sees is to pay attention to those who are far from God, those on the outside, to love the marginalized, to befriend those on the outside, to pursue those who we may disagree with, to intentionally invest and build a relationship with those who are far from God and don't know Jesus. That is what we are called to do. And listen, at the end of my life, I want people to know that about my reputation, that I was a friend of sinners. I was a friend of those who are far from God That, that is what I want. So guys, I know what our church can be. I know what it's been for six years. And I know what it can continue to be as long as we see as Jesus sees. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We don't deserve grace. We don't deserve salvation. But yet you gave it to us. You offered it. Most of us in this room have received it. And we thank you for that. Remind us that we constantly need Jesus because he changes all things. That yes, maybe because we're in your family, man, we still have a long way to go. There's a lot of things we need to work on. So Father, help us to understand that we have to work hard to be a follower of Jesus. This isn't something that we need to coast through. It's something we really need to digitally focus on each and every day to remind us of that. The second thing is for, for those who are yet to be a follower of Jesus, I ask that you would soften their heart, soften their resistance to change or Jesus. I just ask that they would see that they have a need to be saved, to be taken from spiritual death to spiritual life. God, please provide salvation to those in this room. In Jesus' name.